Hey fam, we at Llama Leadership take resiliency seriously and we are going on a short vacation. But don't worry, over the next several weeks, we will continue to deliver new content in the form of Llama Leadership Thoughts while revisiting and rebooting some of our favorite past episodes. We are so grateful for your continued support and we look forward to bringing you more brand new and value-added long-form discussions in August. As always, be safe, stay healthy, keep growing, and for now, Llama's out. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan, and it's an honor and a privilege to have another amazing guest in the lounge today, Oleg Lohid. How are you, Oleg? I'm well. Thank you for asking, and thank you for getting the name correct. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I try my best. I try my best. (laughs) You'll be surprised how many times I think people would even ask the question, how do you pronounce the first or the last name? And I would tell them and they would still butcher it. And yeah. there's a, there's another story behind it. That's kind of funny. I used to, when I was in high school, I used to run cross country mm-hmm. and our coach, his uh, first name was Kent. I think, I think that's his, his first name. Anyway, that's how he was referred to. Mm-hmm. And my brother also ran cross country and that he's four years older than I am when it comes to the school part. And so he called him Loghead, I believe, <laughs> And I took on the tradition and carried on the legacy of the same pronunciation of the last name. And I kid you not, the number of times where I would tell him the name multiple times, sometimes three or four times, and it just goes out one year, out the other. (laughs) It just, it does not register. And so it it fascinates me sometimes where, uh, especially when people ask, how do you pronounce it? Yeah. And then they still pronounce it in whatever way. So it makes me curious, how often do we listen just to respond compared to listen to understand? Right. And even beyond that, ask just to ask, but not really, you know, receive the information, right? (laughs) So that's interesting with the name thing, because I'll self-proclaim that I am terrible when I meet somebody remembering their name. So I try to put more (laughs) of an effort into it, you know, and I don't know, I've heard many things like maybe sometimes it's because you're so focused on making sure you present yourself well, that you're like, not really, you're distracted or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And I started learning a lot of um, different techniques to try to remember, because I think it's important, right? It's a sign of respect to, to, to remember their name and say it correctly. So yeah, there's a lot to it. I think for some people, it's their only form of identity, mm-hmm. depending on the story and the background that they've come from. In my situation, when I think about my own experience in my past, my first name is really the only thing that I have as far as my birth or origin identity. Mm. Everything else I had to adapt to through the adoption that I went through. Yeah. So when I think about that particular situation and some of the other cases where in, I'm sure there's got to be situations where people had to change everything completely. Yeah even the first name, even the age. I remember being given the option and I was having a conversation with my parents about this actually. And they were telling me how they once upon a time considered changing my age because mm-hmm. when I came to the States, I was put in the middle of sixth grade instead of seventh. So I was, wow. I was a year older than the fellow classmates. And if you really think about it, how that impacts the remainder of your journey, it can have some critical steps. It can have a very big impact. Because if you were a year older, I mean, I remember constantly running into this dilemma when I was on soccer teams, being too old for some of the teams that all of my friends were on. And so I really ultimately wasn't able to share that space with them oftentimes because I was too old considered to league standards. 
So I had to play up and I had to go into other groups, which didn't really have a lot of the friends that I shared in schools and outside of that school to begin with. Yeah. And, and, and you know, even being, especially when you're young, um, I think I was reading Malcolm Gladwell's book um, and it was talking about how, you know, there's certain things that distinguish people and how they're successful they are. And one of them was like talking about sports and kids and how mm-hmm. if, if they're, um, if, if they just barely make the cutoff for the age group for whatever that sport is, a lot of times, you know, parents want their kids to get in early. They want to get yeah. in early because I think they're going to learn more. But a lot of times it could be demoralizing for the child because 11 months difference at, at seven years old, eight years old, uh, you know, the, the person that's 11 months older, you're t- typically your heads and shoulders above when it comes to, you know, like motor skills and all that stuff. So you're going to get more yeah. playing time because you're good. And then the other person kind of sits on the bench and um, it, it gave me a whole different perspective on things. Cause you know, you want to push your kids to get into experience faster, but sometimes it's best to put them at the right time. Mm-hmm. I think that also goes back to, I mean, something that your show is about as well. And that's challenging the status quo, mm-hmm. asking the questions when you may not be, forced to ask certain questions like why does this work the way it does or why do we do certain things the way that we do it i i know for me when i click when that clicked for me a couple years ago i realized the importance of it because there's so many structures that get created around my own persona and my own identity where just things happen the way they do and if you really think about it at least in my in my opinion if you were to put this life on autopilot Mm -hmm. i think you would make it I mean, everything is set up to convenience. You need groceries, a couple clicks of a button, Instacart, boom, at the door. Mm-hmm. Do you want to ride? Uber. Mm-hmm. You want a concert? You want, to, you want to see something, especially now? Zoom, Netflix, Amazon. So there's so many services that I think play to our convenience, which it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. You know, it, it, it definitely gives us the opportunity to experience anything that we may want, but at the same time, it eliminates some of the things that maybe we've been accustomed to and genuinely drives human progress. And that's human connection, human yeah. understanding. I mean, what happens if we no longer have to be in the same room? Can yeah. we progress the same way that we have as a society prior to all these inventions? Yeah. Yeah. And how much do we value things that just come to us so easily too, right? Like how, how much do you value something you could just hit a button and do now versus before you might've had to actually go to the movie theater or go wherever yeah. to go do, you know, um, to putting that effort into a lot of times that equates on the other side of how much you value that and how much you get joy out of that thing. And that's a really good point as well, because I think that questions the whole thing, what is effort to begin with mm-hmm. at this point? I mean, is it really, are you really putting in effort by doing a two to three clicks maybe you are maybe you aren't and is it comparable to the time where literally you just said that you had to go you had to walk to the grocery store let's take it even a step farther before you even had a car because i remember those days before i was able to drive Mm -hmm. i literally had to get on my bike Mm -hmm. or i had to walk two or three miles to wherever i was going i remember having to bike across town to my friend's house because i couldn't drive just yet and then being able to appreciate that journey but I also remember the times where I was biking and it would t- take me two to three hours and afterwards being so exhausted that by the time I got to his house, all I want to do is just rest. Yeah. You that, know, the possibility <laughs> of playing backyard football, that's just yeah. like out of the question. Yeah. <laughs> At least for the next hour or so. <laughs> right, right, right. And, 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 you know, yeah. And it kind of toughens you up too, having to go through that. And, you know, I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of things that I think that, you know, the secondary and tertiary effects of just having a life of, 
comfort and ease <laughs> can, can have on us that a lot of times, unless we take the time to deliberately evaluate those things, um, it, it's just lost on us. You know, we don't even know what we don't know. We don't know what we lost. Yeah. Well, I think it also brings up another point, and I don't know if this is the direction that you want to go in or not, but I was having a conversation around this with a friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about this concept of suffering. Mm-hmm. And the question that I posed to him was, yes, there, at least the narrative that I've oftentimes heard, it is that let's get rid of suffering. What would the world look like without it? You know, for me personally, I don't know if I would want to live in that world. And the reason why is this. When I've looked at this whole concept of purpose and identifying meaning out of your life, I don't know which components of the equation actually fit within that formula. And because of that, I started to question whether or not suffering is a necessary component to purpose and to meaning in life. (laughs) And so as much as I looked at that whole journey and everything that we talk about convenience and maybe wanting to eliminate certain things to get more of the other things, I get curious about that question as far as is our hardships and is suffering truly necessary for us to be able to identify that purpose and step into it? Because to this point, I can't name you one person that hasn't gone through an element of suffering and has then been able to flip the script, flip the narrative mm-hmm. and choose a completely different path. What do you think? Yeah, you think yeah. that's a necessary component? I think so. I think so for many reasons, right? One, um, like I said, if you don't go through something tough or challenging, you may not even know what your um, capabilities are. Mm-hmm. You may never know. So you're not even testing yourself and you don't even know how much you're leaving on the table. Right. The other thing is, I think you don't find value in some of those high things if you don't go through the suffering that it takes to get it. So, you know, I think the old adage talks about, you know, like you're not going to really appreciate the mountaintops if, you know, you don't get to go explore the valleys. And I think that's very true because I think, you know, happiness is something really, you know, just to talk on the other end of that. For me, my, my thoughts are happiness is like, it could be fleeting, right? You're in a moment, yeah. you're happy. It's kind of like pleasure. You feel it and then you don't. And to think that you're just going to be happy all the time is pretty naive, right? Uh, I think contentment is probably something that you, we want to strive for a little bit more. But, um, but that suffering, I think, makes you appreciate those moments of contentment or even happiness even more. And to me, it's kind of like makes life worth living. I know it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird, right? Like how suffering make life worth living, but because it makes you appreciate things. You know, I'm in a quarantine right now. And I don't think if I've ever not been in this quarantine and not been able to appreciate some of the things like just normally going to a store if you want to, or, you know, some of those things that I'm not allowed to do right now. um, I I appreciate those things more now because I'm not able to do them. And, you know, something I never really even put thought into. And um, so I think that, you know, suffering, we talked a little bit ago about, you know, things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like all things happen for a reason. I don't think, you know, whatever your higher being that you believe in or whoever, you know, if that is something that any of our listeners believe in, um, it, this isn't by accident. Suffering wasn't thrown onto this planet on accident. <laughs> I, I don't believe yeah. so. I think it's here for a reason, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of the beauty of life. In my opinion, everything's here for a reason. I mean, the, the, the cool part about, I think, of being a human being is that you get to choose Mm-hmm. what that reason may be and you get to carry that reason forward and you identify it in whatever way that you can but i know for me when i started to look at this all of these concepts and really understood that it was through shifting of my perspectives i've been able to find these spaces and opportunities to not only think differently but to also act differently 
it's that's when it clicked that I actually have a choice in choosing this concept that there's a reason for why everything happens. Like literally everything, I kid you not. And that's the beauty of it is that choice is always available. Something happens, I can immediately go into that space and try and understand what is this here to teach me? Why did this happen? What could I have done differently? Now, there is a danger to that sometimes because it could be a never ending rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as asking why, why, why to not receive an answer that you feel satisfied with Mm -hmm. to move forward. So the concept that I think you brought up as far as choosing to be content with literally what you know Mm -hmm. and know that there's going to be additional answers and additional layers to that particular discovery that you just had. I think that's part of the journey. It's part of the journey to kind of embrace the path and know that everything about this unknown. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Right. We don't know how long this conversation is going to last. Right. We don't know what may happen in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. We may have Wi-Fi go out. We may have, I don't know, just whatever may happen. (laughs) And so there's a lot to be said for also this concept of control. You know, Mm -hmm. how much of this experience do we control when it comes Mm -hmm. to it? I know that we, we talk quite a bit you talk a lot on your show about this and we do on ours as well, as far as this concept of mindset. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't even know which aspect of that mindset I truly can control. Right. Maybe it's the way that I react, but if that's the case, then why is it that there are situations where I know the situation drew me in and I wasn't yeah. able to hold my space yeah. and hold my ground? Yeah. You know, in those in those aspects, I wonder too, because you know, even me, I know the studies, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy and everything else, and I really am a big um, proponent of stoicism and the beliefs and the philosophy. And you know, you talk about trying to control yourself and your thoughts and your beliefs, and dig deep into doing some deep work into your personal beliefs and how they might create that filter of how you're looking at things, you know, your perceptions. But still, you just I lose it every now and then. you know what I mean? I'm just like, there's a moment where you're just like, you're like, why did that just happen? You know, I know everything about this and how I should be controlling myself, but I still went off the handle on that, whatever that might be. And, um, and I think, you know, there's some beauty in that being human. Yeah. There's some beauty in that. And like you said, you don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to happen next. Well, I'm kind of happy about that because although I do, like to influence and control a lot of things, you know, I do, <laughs> I do to the club. <laughs> right. Right. I do. I do value that. But I also, uh, man, life would be boring if we always knew it was going to come up next. <laughs> it sure would be. And I, I think it's also maybe goes to the point of thinking that everything is the same. Every human's the same. Every experience is the same when in reality, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why we quote unquote lose control mm-hmm. in certain situations where we don't respond the same way that, we might have trained ourselves to do so. And it is that, it, I mean, let's face the reality. Every, every single individual that I've met thus far is completely unique to who they are. Right. I mean, when I, even when I talk about experiencing anger, frustration, disappointment, whatever else with one individual, it's a completely different ballgame with another mm-hmm. person. Right. Just because of how they approach you or right. what your relationship may be. You may feel, feel closer to one compared to the other. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to express certain things to one person, therefore create more frustration for yourself because yeah. you're going to have to hold that somehow and process it in some way. So I, I think there is so much to this human experience and journey that is yet to be known. And there's so much beauty with just living in the unknown, but also knowing that 
supposedly, I mean, to a degree for the sake of this conversation, maybe there is that component of control that we have and that's choosing to live a different narrative than maybe the one we were born into. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, man, we already jumped into some pretty good conversations here. (laughs) But but I think that's a good segue right there. It's kind of like what you just talked about is what we were born into. And uh, because I would love for you, because you have an amazing story. And I'd love for you to share it for our listeners. Because for one thing, you know, I think we all learn from other people's experiences. You know, there's some wisdom there that we can glean if we choose to. But the other thing is your story, in my opinion, is exceptionally inspirational. So I was hoping that you'd share maybe, you know, how did yeah. Oleg become the man he is today? Yeah, well, that, that, is, um, that is still a work in progress and <laughs> 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 figuring out what worked. But when I think about my own story and my own experience, especially the early times of being born in Russia and really experiencing a a very difficult set of circumstances. And that is being born to a family where uh, my dad was in prison at the time of my birth. And there's still some mixed stories about who he was and what he did and how he actually got into that situation Mm. due to that. And then my previous, I guess you could say maybe stepfather or some role like that. He was actually my sister's dad. He ended, he drowned. Mm. And so My mom, one of the ways that she chose to cope with both of those circumstances was through alcohol. So when I was born, she was literally addicted to it. And, you know, for the longest time, and for those that are listening that might be able to relate, I chose to blame her for that. I I chose to blame her for her inability to take care of me. I chose to blame her for the fact that she was an alcoholic. And much of that blaming was happening because that's how the society wanted me to view her. That's how the society views alcoholics. It doesn't view it as someone who may actually be fighting something that's truly irreversible. And that's one thing that I tried to understand for the longest time when I was younger, because I I remember having conversations with her where I would be begging her to change. I would be begging her to give up drinking. I would be begging her to come back all under one roof with my sister and I. And she would always say yes. And that was the cool part about it. But the reality of this situation was that she would only be able to hold it together for two or three days, maybe a week. And after that, she would go back to drinking. And so me as that younger self, I couldn't really handle that and accept that. And so I would go back into the anger, the frustration. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that I truly didn't understand what she was fighting for. Right. And that, that I think sometimes some, it goes missing. It gets lost in translation when it comes to trying to understand this experience. And so it wasn't until I was significantly older that I finally understood that maybe she was fighting a battle that there was no end to mm-hmm. and that truly no way to go back. And so when I think about that experience and that early upbringing followed by multiple situations where, you know, I, I, there was so much unknown. I didn't know where I was going to, where I was going to sleep certain nights. (laughs) I didn't know what I was going to eat. I didn't really know who was going to take care of me in certain situations. And so it led me to a decision that for me, it's just like any other decision, but maybe for someone else who hasn't experienced it, that could be viewed as a pivotal decision. And I was, when I was nine years old, I chose to give up their rights completely. Went into an orphanage, didn't really understand what that meant. 
I just knew that the way that it was described, that you were going to have a place to live, you were going to have your food, clothes, everything that a kid essentially wanted to hear at the time. I said, hell yeah. Not in the same exact words, but you get the point. (laughs) 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 But that's what I, I was sold on was this vision of a secondary home. And when I stepped into it, I realized within that first week that it wasn't what it was described to me, Mm -hmm. that the situation to see my parents or my other family members is not going to be as frequent as I thought it would. Everything was based in visitation. In fact, there were certain hours that you could come and visit. Outside of those hours, no contact. And so what I thought was an opportunity for me to change my life and step into another family all of a sudden became this place where I suddenly started to fear it because mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was going to offer. I didn't know any of the kids in that family. Some of the kids were five or six years older than I was. Others were there from literally the time they were babies. And I think that was my first introduction to understanding what it was like to be put in a situation where you may not know anything, including your environment and your surroundings but you have no other option but to figure it out. And I think that's the beauty of life that I took away from that experience to who I am today is I look at that experience and I think about it in the, through the lens of you just have to keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, those situations will come up many more times where I'll be in groups or different environments where I don't know a soul. I don't know what the conversation is about. I don't know a topic. But yet I think the genuine curiosity to ask questions and to know that I've made it through previous situations before, that's what kept me going. And fast forward to when I was 12 years old, (laughs) I was very fortunate to be adopted by a family from Ann Arbor. And when I came here, it was a completely other journey that Mm -hmm. I had to go on. I didn't speak English. I didn't know anything about this part of the world. Mm -hmm. And yet I had to step into it and kind of take life by the horns and make the best out of it. The, the thing that oftentimes doesn't get discussed, I feel like when it comes to people who are coming here from another country, one of the first things that I heard was that English is one of the easiest languages to learn. <laughs> BS on all of that. It is extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. Coming from another alphabet where mm-hmm. you have certain things that are conjugated, where you have yeah. masculine, feminine, and neuter, compared to just a table is a table and that's it. Right. It was very difficult to rationalize in my brain. Why does that make sense the way it does? Right. Why do certain things work the way they do? So there was a lot of questioning. There was a lot of frustration and I'm really grateful that my parents chose to stick with me (laughs) every step of the way, because I'll tell you this, as pretty as the journey may be right now, there were some serious bumps and bruises to begin with. I mean, there were situations where I remember my mom and I would sit or stand across from each other and just do nothing but yell because I didn't understand her and she didn't understand me, but there was no other way to communicate. It was either that or I go to a paper dictionary because this was early two thousands and I try and find the right words. But here's the challenge there is I was a teenager. So simultaneously I was learning two languages English and how to be a teenager. Yeah. So there was no way 
I was going to calmly go to a dictionary and find the right word. <laughs> I was going to express it through every possible emotion that I can. Yeah. And that, that, that's the beauty of the journey as I think about and reflect upon some of those experiences is as challenging as they were, there's so much beauty to reflect upon. I mean, there's so many concrete skills and takeaways that I've learned throughout it that are literally part of my everyday routine with yeah. who I am today. That's awesome. And you know, that it's so funny when people say that English is such an easy language to learn, because for me, honestly, it probably was my first because I came to the States when I was so young. And uh -huh. I probably knew just a little bit of Korean. But, um, but yeah, the first one that I mastered was definitely English. But the, pe the same people who will say that it's easy can't explain why. They won't be able to explain the rules. They don't understand some of the idioms that we use and why they are that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so funny that if it's so easy, they should be able to teach it to anybody. And it's not, it's not quite that. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's, just, it's just funny to me. Because, um, yeah, we do have a very weird language. If you think about it. words, mean two, the same word means two different things many times and everything else in between. I kid you not, yesterday I just learned that flyer can be spelled in two different ways. With a Y and with an I. And I yeah. was just like, what? Yeah, yeah why? <laughs> <laughs> why? How does that make sense? Right. So there, there are certain things within this language that I think are truly unexplainable to someone who comes here from another country. But that's a very interesting question. And I actually never posed that question to anyone mm -hmm. that said English was easy. Mm -hmm. I never asked why. Yeah. Or explain to me what makes it easy. Right. I kind of just took it for granted. Right. And maybe it helped and maybe it didn't. Maybe it was a way for them to tell me that, hey, English is, is easy. Therefore, you're going to figure out. Maybe mm -hmm. that was the hidden line between right. that. Yeah. And maybe it worked. Maybe it gave me enough motivation that when I did experience a problem with the English language, I continued to remind myself that, hey, it's easy. Mm -hmm. Just stick with it. You'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, imagine if it was the other way around. Yeah. If you, if you walk into an environment, A, you're experiencing culture shock. And then one other thing a person adds onto your plate says, yeah. English is going to be very, very hard, nearly mm -hmm. impossible to learn. So you might as well just stop where you're at. Right. <laughs> that would be a very different experience. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you're going through, you're learning English, you're trying to be a teenager, <laughs> you're growing up now, like what's the experiences between then and, and what you're doing now? I think it's everything. And the reason why I say that is because when I was able to get over some of these, I call little humps as far as when it comes to learning the language and the culture and developing friend groups and relationship with my parents, mm -hmm. that's when I think my curiosity genuinely kicked in. And I started to explore on a deeper level, why do certain things happen and how do they happen? Mm -hmm. And what that led me on was a journey of exploring and having conversations with people of similar experiences that came into this country through adoption or foster care or some other modes and were put in similar situations where I had to look at every single one of them and ask myself the question of why me? I'm sure it's a question you might have asked yourself as well. Why you? And so I started to ask myself that question of why me? Why was I the one that was put through all of these challenges and yet was able to see the other side when so many other people aren't able to do so. Mm -hmm. For the longest time, I was totally consumed by that question. And the other thing I'll mention before I go any farther is this. I believe it's okay to be consumed by that thing. Mm -hmm. I believe that once upon a time, that question was real. 
And that's one of the challenges of, I think, being able to embrace this new mindset of reframing is that it doesn't validate some of the things that were real once upon a time. Mm. You know, even though I can look at fear from a different lens today, that doesn't mean that fear five years ago was not a real thing. Right. And so when I look at that through that lens and I chose to embrace the fact that there were so many years where I did solely ask myself, why me? I was frustrated because the answer wasn't coming. Yeah. What I realized over time was that through multiple conversations with other people, the answer was always there. If not you, then who else? Right. Why not you? Why not you? Yeah. I remember the first time the person said that, I kid you not, I dropped everything. I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> Could you say that again? Yeah. Why not you? Yeah. And it was so simple. <laughs> and that's maybe one of the other beauties, hidden beauties of life, is that there's so much wisdom in the simplicity of life. Right. It's not the complexity. Hmm. And so when I flipped the script and I started looking at all this just through a very simple term that everything's already here, whatever resources that I need, it's just my job to a recognize those things as resources and then maximize it, Hmm. become more resourceful with whatever I have. And so I started to look at that journey through that lens. I started to embrace this concept of why not me. And then I kid you not one thing after another started aligning yeah. I started to meet more people on the journey that would ask me different questions, share different stories. And then it started to kind of pull me into this space of adoption and foster care where I started to realize that there was something beautiful that I went through in regard to not only my first 12 years, but also the adoption journey. Yeah, And that's where I started to create the space for other people in the best way that I could describe it. Now I wasn't able to describe it this way, maybe, even a year ago in the simplest terms, it's a space for people to be heard and to be appreciated through their stories. Yeah. I, and I remember looking at those things through that lens and it's, it, there's just so much in simplicity that I've learned and I'm sure we'll get into even different components of how it translates to business and leadership. But right. in my opinion, and I shared this with a friend of mine recently, not to go on a complete tangent, but he's in a space of public speaking. And one of the things that he told me he struggled with was generating content. Mm. I literally just said, look around you. Yeah. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. There was a bug crawling on my window the other day. I kid you not. It started from the bottom, went to the top. My first initial reaction, I looked at it. It's like, man, that it's going really slow. And then my second question was, can you do that? (laughs) Content. Right. Yeah. It's not the speed that yeah. matters in that case. Yeah. It's having a target, having a destination, mm-hmm. being persistent. So I looked at all those things and it just made me realize that the content is always there. I believe I'm always living in abundance. Mm-hmm. Um, does it mean that there's no lack of, I don't think so because I think it's always a balance. It's a yin and yang. Whenever you have an abundance of something, you always have a lack of something else. You know, if you have a lack of money, you may have abundance of relationships. So I think the scales are always, they always even out depending yeah. on where you are in life. Yeah, man. You know, I wanna, you just, you said something earlier that I, that was pretty profound to me. And it's um, talking about how like, just because you're growing now 
doesn't mean you have to resent your past self in a way, right? You don't have to think back and been like, okay, it wasn't a big deal back then because it's not a big deal now. No, it was still a big deal back then, right? Or whatever it would yeah. be. Like, so, and I think that that is, um, that is something that we, whenever we're doing deep work and analyzing ourselves and really looking back and reflecting, I think that's important to know too, because I think sometimes we get to the point where like, oh, we're so much better now than we were before. Yeah. And we look back at our past self and we're like, yeah, you sucked. It's like, no, no, yeah. you were going through, you were growing, <laughs> right? right? And the things you were feeling at that time, they were valid at that time for you, right? And I think yeah. there's, there's some growth there too, just kind of reflecting on that. No, I think there's a lot of value in acknowledging that part because as I mentioned to you earlier, that's one of the challenges of believing into a reframe mindset mm-hmm. is that it can, at least my experience has been, it conditions me to think in different ways about my past. So in a way it devalues some of those experiences, mm-hmm. especially that were negative. Right. I mean, it, it literally, I remember moments and still probably have moments <laughs> where I look at certain elements of that past and I tell myself, man, like, I can't believe you fucked up there. Or, I yeah. can't believe you did this. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's, you had to do those things in order to get here. Right. Period. That's right. it. And that's something that you and I even spoke about earlier prior to hitting a record button. And that is you have to go through all of those things in order to get to where you're trying to go to. Right. That's the journey you're meant to embark on. Mm-hmm. You have to go through the moments where you're not going to feel worthy. Mm-hmm. You may have to go through the moments where you may not feel talented or feel less than, or don't fit into certain things. Like that was my journey. You know, were there situations where, where I wore a mask? 100%. Mm-hmm. Are there still situations where I may wear a mask? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's possible to go through a journey and not wear a mask. Mm-hmm. You know, I walk into a room and even though I might be com- comfortable and confident in who I am, but even that sole thought that everyone else in that room makes $1 billion more than I do, mm-hmm. you're going to put on a mask. Yeah. What are you going to say? Right. No, I don't make, or I make this amount or I'm broke. Yeah. You're not going to say those words most often. Yeah. And maybe some people will, you know, I won't speak for them, but I know for me, this concept of kind of operating under a mask and eliminating the things, in my opinion, I don't think eliminating things is possible, period. Yeah. I think it, the name of the game becomes how do you work with it? How do you embrace it? As, it's the same thing in, in trying to eliminate depression. Mm-hmm. How are you going to do that? Yeah. It's always going to be with you. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the more you step into whatever the purpose, whatever your vision is, in my opinion, the more you're going to experience it because mm. the challenges become greater. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a wild perspective. And you're talking about reframing and I think that's a huge part of it. And, you know, when we just a moment ago, we talked about, um, uh, you know, why not you? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think what changed for me when I asked myself, why not me instead of why me, right? (laughs) Why me? Why am I have to go through this? When I went from why not me, then I was like, okay, now burdens. I want the burden, right? I want that burden. If somebody's going to have it, then I want it because I want to experience that. And then those burdens in many ways become blessings, right? Become like learning opportunities, growth, and, and also just going through the crucibles of life kind of turn you into who you are today. And I think those are really important, you know, when it comes to reframing and growth. Yeah. Do you think part of that though comes from your military background? 
Like, why did you actually choose to go into military to begin with? So for me, the big reason I went into the military, I think um, being um, some of it was probably uh, masculinity and my belief system that I grew up with being an Asian American male, you know, that we're we're supposed to um, do manly things, I guess, you know, something, something like, and I think that's one of the reasons why I joined the military. The other reason, honestly, was out of pure necessity. I needed to get the heck out of my place where I was at. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't afford to go to school. Um, I was starting to hang out with the wrong people doing the wrong things. And um, sometimes, you know, I would say that I'm pretty smart. And sometimes when you're smart and you're, and you don't mind taking risk and you're hanging out with the wrong people, like it could become a bad. I've formula. been there. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. It gets to a bad formula. So I remember when I went to, I told them like, Hey, get me a job that will get me out of here in like two weeks. Because if you give me time to think about it, you know, I'll happen. I'm going to bail out and I'll end up in jail or something. So it was some of that too. Right. So I think you know, a combination of a couple of those things, but you know, to your point, I think that maybe, um, just my thoughts and my belief system that I kind of grew up with probably does lend itself to being a martyr sometimes, <laughs> wanting to be the one that carries the burden, right? Uh, I think that there is some of that. And, um, and I think the biggest thing that has changed for me over the years is I think some people that want to be the martyr, they, start, they also complain about being the martyr. Mm. They do both, right? And, 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 and I'm not I I lost the second part. I don't mind being the one that carries the burden. I just don't complain about it anymore because I I embrace it more now. Whereas before Mm -hmm. it was like I was doing it, like you were saying, put a mask on and and look like you're the tough person. But then at the same time, you're complaining about it. You know what I mean? So it was a thing where I think maturity just kind of took uh, took its place there and got rid of that second part for me because it was waste. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder how much of the different complaining and blaming and whatever else that's especially happening right now Mm -hmm. is really just an internal image of who we are. Hmm. I mean, I oftentimes look at these situations and not to go into politics or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but you know, when we talk about certain characteristics of some of the people in, in authority, I mean, we can go on and on about having some of these conversations, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I have to catch myself in those situations that, okay, am I being a better person by talking about someone in X, Y, and Z way? Mm-hmm. And even though, yes, they make, they made mistakes, but let's also face the truth of life. Yeah. Who hasn't? Right. I mean, we may sit in situations and criticize a person such as president or whoever, right. As far as what they could have done differently. What about our own lives? Yeah. I mean, what if we were put those things on the table and have an honest conversation within whatever the setting may be? whether it's a family or friend groups and say, well, okay, if we're going to criticize X, Y, and Z person, why don't we actually look at your life for for a second? What are the things that you feel like you didn't do your best job in? Mm -hmm. You know, what are your failures and the different things that you did not (laughs) deliver or live up to? So I I think there's, um, there's a lot to be said and I'm not saying I'm by any means perfect as far as I don't ever criticize anyone. I just know that, in many of the situations, especially now, I try not to as, as actively as I can, because at the end of the day, I'm not any better than anyone else. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality. I'm just living a different path. Mm-hmm. I'm just having a different experience. There's a, a quote in Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, yeah, where he talks about, um, help me with this, maybe you know it. He talks about judgment. He says, don't judge a man 
until you've walked a step into in their shoes, mm-hmm. something along the, those lines. But even beyond that, it, it, I took it a step beyond that after I read it. And that is don't judge a man, period. Even mm-hmm. if you did walk in the person's shoes, mm-hmm. you know, we'll look at some of these topics that are taboo, such as affairs, mm-hmm. for example, and then we'll judge. And even in situations where we might've been the ones that experienced an affair, mm-hmm. who am I to judge the other person? There may be 20 other things that they chose not to disclose because of other insecurities yeah. or the situations for why they chose to be in an affair. So it just goes back to the point of why judge ever. Yeah. I think that uh, why yeah. try and justify judgment, right? Right. Yeah. We attach like all these judgments on value judgments on things. Right. And it's, I do think it's a healthier view to try not to do that because nowadays you see people doing it. And I think one reason why people do it is because it makes them feel better about probably some of their own mistakes that they're, they get to like, you know, talk about something somebody else did. Right. And then this person's also supposed to be in a high leadership role and they're screwing stuff up. So if I talk trash about them, it makes me feel better about my measly life or whatever it might be. Right. I mean, I think there's some of that there, but then there's also like that. um, There's some just, like this visceral thing that's happening where people are like judging people for things that they did 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I'm like, you know, they said something stupid 20 years ago. Well, I said all kinds of stupid shit 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I said something oh, stupid yesterday. I guarantee that. it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's like so weird that people are willing to do that and then not look at and I kind of think it's sometimes just, like I said, a self-defense mechanism. Like I, I get to project it out so I don't have to look in. Mm-hmm. And I think in that case, it's a double-edged sword because A, it supposedly reveals some imperfect things about a human being when in reality, in my opinion, all of us are. Mm -hmm. But then the other part that it brings to my attention is this fact that in bringing some of those things to light that might have happened 10 or 20 years ago, I mean, let's face it, there were situations that happened to me five years ago, even a year ago, where if, if I were to talk about it, people would be like, what? Like, I can't believe it. But to me, it's like, those are the things I had to go through to get to where I'm at. And so it it makes me curious, even in those situations that are we, are we doing more harm than good? Mm -hmm. You know, are we, are we actually helping the other person embrace those aspects of the journey by making it public or criticizing them for it instead of helping them by creating a space and saying, Hey, Joe, what'd you learn from that? Right. Yeah. And that's it. And move from that. Don't, don't choose to justify or put it in a lens that, oh, you're a bad person, but rather look at it through a completely different lens. And that's, what'd you take away? Did you change your behavior? And even if you didn't, do you want to change it? Because here's the thing, you should have a choice as well and want to change that behavior, right? I mean, like your thing is like some people is like, oh, we should be able to give people a road to redemption. It was like, well, yeah, or maybe we are not entitled to give them that road to redemption, right? We're not yeah. entitled to judge them and tell and say that they need to redeem themselves in certain aspects as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's interesting because, you know, I think society, leadership, um, you know, is working together would be so easy if it wasn't for the people aspect of things, right? Yeah. I mean, we're all so different and we got to deal with things. And I think that um, the conversation we're having right now, analyzing some of those things, I think, you know, it's helping me reflect on some stuff and just open up my brain a little bit more to things. And hopefully conversations like this can help others at least think about it, you know, at least think about it. And I mean, let's face it, we're complicated beings. Yeah. <laughs> 
this whole journey, I, the fact that many of us, at least in my opinion, maybe all of us can't articulate an answer to a question of what is life that should speak to the complexity that we're faced with or what's the meaning of life. There's so many different answers to that question. And so it just makes me think that maybe oftentimes, in my opinion, we try and overcomplicate some of the things even more um, without going to the root of the problem. We're trying to understand why is it happening the way it does? Why does the person lead in the way that they do? Rather, we kind of look at the cause and effect, and then we try and build from that instead of going deep. That's why I think, in my opinion, when it comes to leadership, everything starts within, period. The journey start, always starts within. However you choose to lead yourself is most likely going to be the way that you choose to lead others. You're a direct projection of other people. That's why I think environment plays a big role. You know, that concept of you are the product of your environment. Yes. To a degree, I believe in that wholeheartedly because I've looked at my experience long enough where I've been able to identify situations where I was in certain groups and that's the person I was compared to some of the other groups that I later on had in my life. And so I, th I think there's a lot to be said in regard to choosing to lead from within, not only when it comes to business or whatever else, but just life period. Cause I, the other thing I think about this concept is work-life balance. I don't know if that's a thing. I think they're too interconnected to me and tell the difference. Right. You know, we try and tell the difference by saying at five o'clock you go to life yeah. at nine, at 9 AM you go to work. But in reality, my experience has been when once it hits nine, I'm always thinking about both. Right. Once it hits five, I'm always thinking about both. So I, it, there's just so much about life that once again, it's unknown. And this concept of leadership, I think it does play a big role in maybe solving some of these situations that we're in. But at the same time, everything starts within. It doesn't start with you know, your neighbor or whoever's the president. That's why, I mean, this might be, I don't know, popular on unpopular viewpoint doesn't really matter to me when it comes to it. But I look at some of the leadership that we might be surrounded with in 2020. And I choose to ask the question of how is it impacting the rest of us? Right. When, when we talk about presidencies and we talk about certain things, I mean, I've never had a president come make me a sandwich. <laughs> I've never had a president come deliver me a paycheck. And so when I think about that, it, there's so much responsibility that I have to take on as, as an individual in order to continue living and being the best possible citizen that I can. So long story longer, I think we put, in my opinion, we put too much emphasis on the structures and the authorities rather than choosing to look inward and ask ourselves maybe the tougher question of, am I being a good leader? What am I doing for myself? What am I doing for my community? Instead of looking at some of these other people who, yes, we vote into certain elements of power, but like, that shouldn't be the end of the road. Right. Yeah. Because every single one of them are human as well, right? And all of us. And they're going to make mistakes. Right. All of us are flawed. None of us are infallible. And we have to just kind of understand that. And I think, um, I think some of it might even be that we like, we're afraid we want to be taken care of and we're like, how come we're not being taken care of right now? But I like your point is if every single one of us, and I always say this, I was like, just do your damn job. If everybody yeah. did their job, right? If everybody did their job, whether it's an organization in a community or whatever that is, that is, if they did their job to the best of their ability, this world would be so much better. 
We wouldn't even experience probably half of what we experience. Right. It's just, and that's the simplicity, right? It's just, but it's simple, but it's not easy because now we're humans and we're all <laughs> else, right? But I mean, like, just, like, if everybody just did their job, because, but I've never worked in an organization in a work center or anything else where I can honestly say 100% of the people there were doing their job to the best of their ability. You know, I mean, like even consistently, I'm not saying all five days of the work week. I'm saying like three, you know what I mean? Like, I just haven't really seen that. Um, Dude, maybe one. Right. There. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get to one. All of us just do our job today, right? This one day and let's see the impact it can have across an entire year. And I just think that, um, you know, there's so many reasons, like you said, we, you know, we're, we're complex beings and, and, and we, then we attach judgment on the stuff. Now there's expectation management and everything else. But I think that your point of going back to making things as simple as possible, um, you know, and finding beauty and simplicity that can be a life lesson, a leadership mm -hmm. lesson, and it can help us learn a lot as well. So I think those are great points. I think it simplifies the process as well. At least in my experience, it simplified life on so many different layers. When I started to look at purpose as not this thing that I had to go and travel to Thailand for mm -hmm. and meditate, do a silent meditation for a year in order yeah. to find that purpose. I realized that for me, over time, purpose simply became service, mm. period. Mm -hmm. It was just choosing to serve other people through my own experience. It was choosing to approach it through the lens of, okay, this is one component of the experience mm -hmm. that I want to connect with people around. And then later on, those things will change and those things will evolve. But what I realized also over time is that there's this thing, and that goes back to what you just said, the expectations, the judgment, the comparison, it complicates some of these things that no reason to have to have some of these complications. Right. When I started to look at purpose through the lens of service, that's it. Yeah. Just choose to show up for yourself and choose to serve others. Yeah. There's no reason to have this concrete thing figured out. That's one other thing that maybe complicates the journey a little bit more than it needs to. And that's choosing to pursue one thing for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Right. I mean, let's face the reality of that. That's a really, that's a really crazy task. Right. What if in a, in a year, what if tomorrow you're going to meet someone who's going to give you a completely different perspective on the experiences that you've had? What are you going to do? Carry the same work that you started five years ago? Right. No, oh, you're probably going to have to evolve. You're right. probably going to have to transition, pivot. So I think there is a lot to be said with choosing to question, simplify it, and also understand that whatever the society wants me to be, that's not the same version that I have to be. Mm -hmm. And I have a choice. I can choose to be a different person. Mm -hmm. Is it difficult to go against the grain? Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it mm -hmm. difficult to say no to even your parents when they're telling you to go do something? Go to school, go to grad school, get a job. What if that's not the path that you want to do? Mm -hmm. What if you have a different vision for how you want to have an impact? Mm -hmm. So... I applaud people that choose to step into that space because having been on that path, it's a hell of a ride. It's yeah. a very difficult journey to step into it and know that I, I don't know what your experience has been. And I'll be curious to hear that. But, mm -hmm. you know, once I stepped in into this particular component in this chapter of my life, I realized that my circle became a lot smaller, mm. that the people that were actually there to, have my back and support me, maybe a handful. 
Yeah. You know, and then others would come in and out of my life. And, and, and maybe there's a reason for that as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe that phrase of people coming to your life for a reason, a season, and a lifetime yeah. is a thing. And I, I'm sure noticing that a lot more. That, yeah. that people come into my life and in increment kind of incremental or chapters or whichever way you want to look at it. But I do notice that for me, at least it's important to create structure or create consistency with people that I genuinely connect with because this concept of, Oh, we'll stay in touch or we'll get in touch next and whenever yeah. it's, it's a never ending tomorrow story. Yeah. You know, it's the whole thing. I'll just do it tomorrow. And then the tomorrow comes and you're still not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And the week down the road, you still haven't right. done it a year down yeah. the road. And you just abandon the task. Right. Period. Yeah. I, I made a joke about that the other day, actually. Um, Nike, you know how they say, just do it. Yeah. I said, just do it. That, that, that tomorrow. Yeah. That's really the reality of it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny that you say that because I think uh, I made a short video on that before too. It's like, we have this weird skewed vision of ourselves that we're going to be perfect enough tomorrow to do whatever it is that we should be doing today. Right. Like tomorrow I'm going to be good enough to do it. Like, you know, like what are we going to know differently tomorrow that right. we don't already know today? Right. Yeah. I'm going to get my shit together tomorrow <laughs> you know, no, and do this, you know, I'm going to eat healthy tomorrow. I'm going to like actually, you know, make contact with my loved ones tomorrow. <laughs> it's like it's like really man i think you're good enough today you're good enough today right? <laughs> to, to be able to do those things and um yeah you have what it takes today right that's the thing that i think in my opinion we oftentimes forget or some of us is that whatever you need you have it at your disposal right now whatever resource whatever connection whatever action you want to take you have it today and for me i think what also changed is I remember there were certain situations where I would create routines for myself. And I mean, I tried every routine in a book and I would try and time block it. I would say, okay, work out at this hour, eat at this hour. And then there were certain situations where I would, let's say, wake up two hours later and boom, that whole morning is just gone. Yeah. And I would abandon it completely. Yeah. <laughs> but then what I realized was that it's not so much about completing it in a specific time frame. Right. It's about completing it, period. Right. Mm-hmm. It's about doing it. And then after a while, it becomes habitual where then you can actually restructure it into other timeframes of your day. Yeah. And so I, I think you're spot on. And for anyone that's listening, I would just encourage you that whatever it is that you're looking for, whatever it is that you need, you already have what it takes, period. Yeah. With, with whatever version of who you are today, yeah. you have what it takes to take one step forward. And that's all you need. And that's all you were ever doing is you've taken one step at a time. Yeah, man. Oleg, man, I, this was a great conversation. <laughs> I had a great yeah. time. I mean, I'm, I, I'm having a great time and I had a great time. And I think that, uh, you know, that point that you just made that we both talked about, I think is a good ending point for this discussion because uh, I think we need to have plenty more. I know, you know, various topics. I think this would be great. And um yeah, it was just fun. I don't think half the stuff we were, we talked about was even, you know, things that we necessarily planned to talk about, but it was, it was a lot of goodness there. And um, I really appreciate you. And I think just the, the perspective of, you know, the beauty and simplicity, you know, yeah. just that right there, people can like meditate on a little bit and think about some of those things because we overcomplicate the hell out of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we really do. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I look in places where, when I think about this concept of resources always being around, I mean, mm-hmm. I even think about that 
story of the bug crawling on the window vertically, which I cannot do even with suction cups. Yeah. It just, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it made me think about that component, how in that case, it's not about the speed. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Mm-hmm. What if in that case, if you think about maybe the lifetime of that particular bug, mm-hmm. what if that lifetime was literally equivalent to making it from the bottom of the window to the top? Yeah. Cause there's gotta be species like that that exist. I mean, if yeah. there are species that exist and can live for 400 years, mm-hmm. there's gotta be those that only live for 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And what if that was the journey? Mm-hmm. And so it just makes me think that so much of this life I, I used to emphasize, emphasize with this concept of a destination. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think of success, Oh, what do you want? Mm-hmm. What if it's not about that? Yeah. What if it's just being able to experience just literally experience for the sake of experiencing period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having a conversation like this mm-hmm. where you can have an open dialogue where you're not feel like you're judged, mm-hmm. where you can fully embrace your own opinion, develop farther confidence in your own voice. Yeah. I mean, if you think about when I think about the journey of a public speaker, in my opinion, it all starts with developing confidence in your own voice period. Mm-hmm. Right. Once I was able to embrace that, that not only did the topics come in abundance, mm-hmm. but everything else, the flow, the structure, I no longer sit there and think about what am I going to say next? Right. It just comes. Mm-hmm. So I think there is so much to be said about choosing to look at life through the simple lens. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree, man. I really do, man. Oh, like, thank you so much for this conversation, brother. It was, it was great. <laughs> and I, you know, I know it was, it was really fun. Um, it's, it's unlike any other one I've had on this podcast for sure. <laughs> I was actually feeling the same exact thing. Oh, like, really? Not, and I'm not just, I'm not saying that, but uh, yeah. I think 15 minutes in and then 35 or 40 minutes in, I was yeah. just like, wow, I can't, I can't tell you many conversations I've had yeah. that are on the same exact thing. And th- that's one of the other things, maybe one of the challenges of being in the space of podcasting is mm-hmm. maybe I know I do this sometimes. I used to do this a lot more. I don't know if you still do it, Mm -hmm. but you look at some of these conversations and you try and kind of digest it and analyze it. Okay. Mm -hmm. What did I do here? So I can replicate it in others, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. How can I replicate this awesome experience through the others? And in reality, it's like, it doesn't work like that. Right. There are certain people you're just going to connect and boom, you hit, you don't even, I don't even know. Sometimes you even forget to hit record. Right. Right. A full ball conversation. It's like, wow, well, that's not going to be shared. <laughs> <laughs> for, sure. for sure. But then there are other parts where I think we try and overcomplicate the process. Once again, mm-hmm. you know, we try and make it perfect. Yeah. We ask ourselves the questions of how do we, how do we ask the same questions? How do we carry the same structure mm-hmm. into these upcoming guests? When in reality, every person's not the same. Yeah. Everyone's unique. You may never have a conversation like this ever. Right. And neither will I. Mm-hmm. We have no way of knowing that. Right. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And hopefully we can have another conversation somewhat similar to this again in the future. Right. I think it'll be, it'll be, it'll be fun, you know, and different topics or whatever it might be, but uh, definitely man out. This was a great combo. Um, hey, so Oleg, you have your overcoming odds, right? Um, yeah. how, how do people like look, learn more about that and what you're doing? I think the best way, so when it comes to social media, mm-hmm. it would be just looking up overcoming odds on any of the platforms. And then when it comes to URLs, it's overcoming odds.today, not.com. And the reason why it's dot today is because I believe the journey starts today. 
Okay. I think the journey to overcoming whatever the obstacle may be, it starts with you taking one small action today with whatever you know and whoever you are. Awesome. And that's LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook for overcoming odds. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. So we'll make sure we link all those. And um, yeah, yeah, we definitely want to promote what you're doing. You you send out great messages. And um, I know I I feel grateful to be connected with you now and, um, and look forward to like continuing this relationship down the road. Absolutely. Yeah. So, hey, man, when we wrap these up, we like to end them with what we call leadership rapid fire. So really, I'm just going to give you a series of four questions, however you want to interpret it, however you want to answer it. All right. All right. Back to the ACT days. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite leadership trait and why? My favorite leadership trait is humility. Hmm. And the reason why I chose that chose that is because when I was able to fully embrace that component of my life, I was able to step into being more vulnerable and more authentic mm. throughout my journey. Uh, in my opinion, humility, uh, having interviewed however many people by now, mm-hmm. it's a very difficult trait to develop yeah. because it requires complete ownership yeah. of what had happened, what you've done, and how you chose to handle it. And if there's anything that I wish more of, it's more of that in this world. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Question number two, what is your favorite quote? Favorite quote. Couple come to mind. I think the one that I'll choose for this situation comes from Napoleon Hill from Mm. Think and Grow Rich. Mm. And it goes something along the lines of don't let someone else's opinion become your reality. Mm. Yeah. I think there's something to be said when it comes to questioning Whatever someone says, even in our, in our case, mm-hmm. this conversation was a perfect example of it. And that is, this is simply two lived experiences. Mm-hmm. And our lived experiences do not have to become someone else's experience. Mm-hmm. So in choosing to question that and embrace it through the lens of this, this is just two people openly share their own lived experience. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And holding it to its value and not putting it not making it something more than what it truly is. Yeah. Man, Napoleon Hill, like that, that book is completely timeless. Right. And like you read it now and it just, I don't know. It just just like works in so many different facets of what we experience now. So it's just a great book. It's a life changing book. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It changed my perspective. It changed my mindset. Mm -hmm. It gave me an opportunity to actually embrace this concept that you can think and grow rich from your thoughts. Mm Mm-hmm not the wealth that you accumulate. Right. And right. when I was able to understand that, it, it, that was it. Right. That's all I needed to hear at that time mm-hmm. to understand yeah. that whatever I'm thinking, however it is that I'm thinking it on the inside, mm-hmm. it actually manifests the world. If you, if you really think about it and even go a step beyond that, and I don't know if there's any concrete proof to it besides mm-hmm. kind of my own lived experience, but the world is already created for you. Mm. Whatever, whatever I'm experiencing externally, mm-hmm. it's just a projection of what's on the inside. Mm-hmm. The inside is getting built every single day. And, and in reality, that world and the inside, it's probably built years and years in advance already. Wow. Yeah. It's just whatever I'm manifesting right now, it's just one projection of it. Mm-hmm. You know, wanting to be X, Y, and Z, you already are. Yeah. You already are, are those things. Mm-hmm. You just haven't had maybe the right encounters to express those things 
through the multitude of selves that are within you. But that's what that book taught me is that this concept that you're already constructing your world on the inside and you're doing it at literally lightning speed. I mean, it's not, it's not like this. Your inner world is so much more advanced. It it really has to be, if you think about it in order for you to imagine the things that you're imagining. Yeah. Yeah. No, and some of the things you look at and it's like, wow, that's crazy. But then Mm -hmm. three years later it happens. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, yeah, I do. And you know, when I first started reading that book um, and started thinking about, you know, how you can think and grow rich, you know, through your thoughts, I thought it was going to be some woo woo stuff. Right. And I'm like, what is he talking about? You know, like what are we talking about? And then you start reading like, Oh, it makes so much more sense now. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's it's powerful. So especially if you put it into practice, I remember that concept of, um, I still remember chief aim, chief aim officer, something like that. Mm -hmm. He has that concept in there where you, if you identify a number Mm -hmm. that you are aspiring to reach, Mm -hmm. And then you put together uh, certain action steps. One of them, I think, is you write that statement on a sheet of paper okay. and you yeah. read it twice before you go to bed and twice mm. when you wake up. Yeah. I kid you not, it works. Yeah. I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've proved it to myself. I was the same exact way when I picked it up. I was like, no way. Yeah. You're telling me if I read this ticket note twice yeah. at night, twice yeah. in the morning it's going to manifest. And it, what it manifests is, is I don't, I don't know if it manifests the actual result. Right. It manifests a set of inspiration and behaviors right. for you to produce that result. So when I wake up and I read that thing, I give myself no other option, but to step into action mm-hmm. and actually do and make that thing happen. Yeah. And that's, I think what it does more than actually giving you somehow the result by you know, walking down the street and you find a suitcase with $50 million. Right, right. (laughs) Although that might be someone else's journey. Yeah. Like who knows how things happen. (laughs) Man. All right. So question number three, I don't know if it's the answer though, because question number three, we usually ask, what is a book that you would recommend to an aspiring leader? So I don't know if we already just talked about it or if it's a different book. (laughs) The book that I would recommend that would be slightly different from Think and Grow Rich Mm -hmm. called The Art of Possibility. Okay. It's written by Xander something. Okay. (laughs) He's a musician. Mm. And the fascinating thing that I took away from that book were two things. A is that it's truly possible to think in possibilities. Mm -hmm. And B, he taught leadership through the lens of music, which was really fascinating to hear because there's one chapter in particular that he spoke to me about. And that is you can lead from any chair. As soon as I read that, it's like, wow. Yeah. And really think about it. You can, yeah. you, and that's something that we even talked about choosing mm-hmm. to become a leader of your own life mm-hmm. instead of depending and relying on someone else to lead your life. Right. You can be a leader of your own life, regardless of where you are and mm-hmm. what the position may be within this lifetime that you experience. Yeah. What the, ti- the titles are relevant. You can be a janitor and yet be just as influential as anyone else in this world. Yeah. No, that's powerful. Absolutely. And we'll make sure we add that book to the show notes too, that way in case Mm -hmm. anybody's interested in it. Cool. All right. Final question. And this is the deep question of the day. Um, In the Llama Lounge, we're all about life learning and leadership. So how does Oleg find his harmony between life learning and leadership? Man, that is the ultimate question. Um, (laughs) I better get it right. Whatever right looks like. (laughs) I think for me, harmony comes from couple of things. First, 
choosing to show up every mm-hmm. single day. There's something that I read today that really resonated with me. And that is this concept of showing up. It's not only about showing up on the good days. Mm-hmm. It's showing up on the days where I feel awesome. It's showing up on the days where I feel tired. It's showing up on the days where I don't want to get out of my bed. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that comes to mind. The second thing that comes to mind is choosing to surround myself with people and in particular relationships that I can find meaning within Mm -hmm. and also deepen my own understanding of life, shift my own perspectives, gain a new, new insight, look Mm -hmm. at life through a completely different lens. When I, when I started to look at life through the lens of I'm just here to experience it and share, Mm -hmm. it became so much simpler. There was no reason to overcomplicate it. There were no big accomplishments that I was trying to reach that, was, that were going to define what my life was. It, it actually brought me more joy. Hmm. I kid you not. Yeah. It brought me so much more joy because it just gave me the freedom. It was liberating, honestly, yeah. to look at life through that lens and say that, wow, I don't actually have to achieve X, Y, and Z in order to be worthy. Mm-hmm. or to have a legacy or to have an influence. And I think through that mindset and also surrounding myself with people who embrace similar situations in life has really helped strengthen that quite a bit. Yeah, that's awesome. No, that's a, that's a great answer, Oleg, and really appreciate you sharing that. And and like I said, I, I was just grateful to have this conversation and um, hopefully we can have a couple more like this very soon. Absolutely. Yeah. So thanks, brother. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. I I hope you got just as much out of this conversation as I did. And, And as always, be safe, stay healthy, and the llamas are out.